0: Just can't sit there and trade twos for threes, you
1: can't do it, you're gonna lose, coming down the stretch, you're gonna lose.
0: And more, you won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod, here to discuss MSU's upcoming game against the Maryland Terrapins on the road. Good news, our issues with Spotify were corrected, so if you follow the show, we should be back in your feed. I say that although they did have three shows for us, so if you followed one of them and they deleted it, you might not be following us properly. So just make sure uh, whatever podcast player you use that you are following us or subscribed and that you have the most recent episodes. Spotify is fixed, so you should be able to search and find it. And again, if you're here or listening to it, you probably have found some way to get around it. But uh, I would also, in those along those veins, please take 10 seconds to give us a five-star review. Uh, so other Spartan fans could find the show. The algorithm's like that. A reminder, too, that you can get links to all of our sponsors at www.tffinots.com support. So if you're in the car, on the treadmill, or just old and forgetful, head on over to the support page to get the links you need. Uh, I want to thank thanks to Damon, who reached out to us to alert us to the trouble with Spotify, but also to tell us how much he liked his experience with the brothers that just do gutters. We're very happy to always connect listeners to our great small businesses. And some new exciting news that I don't think even Rod knew about. We will be opening our store for two weeks soon to sell our logo logo apparel with Nudge on their fabricated custom site. Uh, the apparel will be sold at cost, so no proceeds go to the st- to the show. Uh, anyway, it's just basically a way for you to get your gear because I've had a number of people contact me asking when we're going to have it again. So this is a way for us to do it without Rod having to go to the post office, which I'm sure he'd be very happy yeah. to know. <laughs> I <I'd>, yes,
1: very. <laughs> Um, I also want to add one thing here, um, and I'm not sure. I'll, I'll ask you if we still have the link to uh, Coach Mike Garland's book. Um, it's on uh, our page. We, can we? Mm-hmm. It is okay. Yep. Um, I, I again, uh, those of you who listened to our Minnesota preview, where we had Coach Garland all with us, we talked at, at some length about his his new book, and I just wanted to reiterate, I can't recommend it uh, highly enough for anybody who's interested in, you know, kind of a philosophical musings on how to lead a successful life. And then in this case, connecting that to lessons learned from a life coaching high-level basketball uh, and drawing those parallels and those connections. But also, honestly, beyond all that, just the great in-depth stories about the Tom Izzo era at Michigan State, which I guarantee you, you have not heard before because I voraciously uh, <laughs> eat up everything that's ever out there. And of course, I, I'm fortunate enough to to talk to people from time to time. And most of these are stories I've never heard. So right. I, I again, I can't recommend it more highly enough. Uh, Coach Garland has told us that he's sold Um, A good number of copies already coming off that episode, which is fantastic. And we'd like to see that that number goes higher. Yeah. So check that out at the show notes for the link. You can get it autographed and personalized to you. And uh, again, fantastic book. Well worth your time if you're a fan of of Michigan State basketball, which presumably everybody listening to this is. One would assume
0: <clears throat> unless you're one of the stray maryland fans listening to this in which case you want right. to find out what's going on with Dizzo, or get some great life lessons it is a fantastic book right uh, i'll second all your comments uh, it's totally true and so again for that just go to the final force uh, uh, dot com slash support and there on that page you'll be able to find a link that you can click directly in to get to um, his book uh and then to get a signed copy so and um well, let's just talk about the game here coming up against Maryland. So Michigan State hits the road to try and get its first true road win of the regular season. Uh, the Spartans want to do anything special in the regular season that needs to start this Sunday in College Park against the Terrapins. Maryland is 11-7 overall, 3-4 and four in the Big Ten, same as Michigan State, tied for, I believe, 7th place, kind of jumbled up at 3-4. and four. They are ranked 68th overall in Ken Palm, 157th on offense, 22nd on defense, so this is a team that wins not pretty. They did have one really good win that was recently by nine at Illinois. Uh, on offense, they are a terrible three-point shooting team at 27.9%, 346 out of, what, 360 teams or so? That's pretty bad. Yeah, they're right down near the bottom. <laughs> so they're they're kind of what would have been really fantastic shooting after, like, two games for Michigan State at 28%. Uh, right. They are somewhat better from twos at 154th, but that's still pretty poor. Yeah. They're a good offensive rebounding team at 54th. Uh, they also shoot a lot of free throws. They're number 12 in free throw attempts per field goal attempts. So kind of the old, like the old Turgeon team, uh, even though they're under a new coach, Kevin Willard, they shoot only 70% at the line. So they don't really get as much as they can when the, they're shooting free throws. And they're also 177th in turnover percentage. So they don't really do a good job valuing the ball. On defense, they are elite. They are number 11th against twos. They are 36th in block percentage. And they do generate a lot of turnovers. They rank 64th. And a lot of those are forced turnovers uh, because they're 92nd in steal percentage. They do foul a lot, which is not surprising uh, because of their, I think, just the way they play probably. And don't do a very good job defending threes. They put them at 165th in percentage against. But they don't allow a lot of attempts. Uh, They're number 11th in three-point attempts per field goal uh, attempt. And they are a slow team, which seems like we've been grinding through a lot of these recently. They're 294th overall and 222nd in length of possession.
1: Okay, so this is year two of the Kevin Willard era. And last season, they were were in a spot where they had some talent coming back, although not a ton. And they were mixing in... Uh, Some guys from the portal, as most programs are, with Kevin Willard coming over from Seton Hall his first year at the helm. And expectations were muted because Mark Turgeon's last team, which he retired early in that season, then Danny Manning saw it out, I don't believe was even a postseason team at all. I don't even think they went to the NIT. Yeah. So expectations were muted heading into the last year, but Kevin Willard got them to the tournament. And They were pretty competitive. So that, plus the fact that they brought most of those key guys back, including their point guard, Jameer Young, and their power forward, Dante Scott, each of whom came back for a COVID year, uh, was sort of a similar dynamic in some ways to Michigan State getting Tyson Walker and Malik Hall to come back. Right, right. Uh, and, And so expectations were they weren't through the roof, but I think most people, I certainly would fall into this category, thought, well, with what they did last season, how much they've got coming back, a highly regarded recruiting class coming in, and you know, a Big Ten that maybe isn't quite as deep as it was a year ago, this should be a tournament team again. I can't yeah. remember for sure, but I think we picked them fifth or sixth. They were somewhere in there, definitely in the upper half of the conference. And it's been a big disappointment. There's no two ways about that. I mean, you mentioned they got that big win over Illinois, which was in Champaign. That was the game after MSU narrowly lost down there. And that was impressive. Maryland played very, very well in that game. Illinois was not at what's been their their usual level so far this year. Uh, so that was a big win. But they need a lot more of those, and there are not a ton of opportunities in the Big Ten this year to get those kind of wins. So uh, then they go out and lose to Northwestern in their last game, so on Wednesday night. Yeah. So it's—look, uh, you wouldn't look at them and say they're completely out of it, but it's it's going to be a tough, tough road. Yeah. For well, this, this is a team. win that they want, right? I mean, this would be a helpful win if they were to get it
0: against Michigan it State. It would
1: be. This is one of the few games they play. The two games, you know, they got this one and then they've got a rematch shortly mm-hmm. thereafter at Breslin. Yeah. These are Michigan State, you know, despite some of the fan base's pessimism and depression over this season, if you look at the metric systems, Michigan State's top 25 in, in all of them. They're up to 18th in Ken Palm. I didn't check where they are in net, but I know they're in the top 25. And I think they're top 10 in Torbic. So these are things that carry weight, particularly the net ranking. If Maryland can get a win like this, yeah, it's huge because they don't have many opportunities to get that caliber of victory. But uh, but I guess what I'm saying is even with that, it's going to be hard. Maryland has not done themselves any favors. I mean, some of their losses, they uh, Villanova, I watched that game back in, I think it was November. It was either November or December. Villanova just ran them off the court. And Villanova's been an up-and-down team this year, but they just shredded them. Maryland did not look competitive at all. Uh, offensively, its it's an equation that we've seen for the last few years. They can't hit the broadside of a barn shooting the ball. <laughs> they are a terrible, terrible, truly awful jump shooting team. And they're only marginally better inside the arc. So, how are they surviving at all given that? Well, they're a pretty good offensive rebounding team. And it's that you said it, it's that Mark Turgeon playbook that somehow has carried over to Kevin Willard's era. <laughs> Maryland just attacks and attacks and attacks and tries to draw fouls and they're successful. Now as you pointed out, 70% is kind of a bare minimum sort of number from the free throw line. They're leaving some points on the table with that. Yeah. You know, they if they were a 75% shooting team, that would be, you know, probably another point or two a night, which doesn't sound like a lot. But in games like the other night they lost Northwestern by three. Yeah. Right. Well if you're picking up, say, three points at the line that you don't otherwise get, that and and it's such a big part of your offense, you need to maximize that. Uh, they have two guys shooting, I believe, shooting more than seven free or right at seven or more free throw attempts per game. Jameer Young, their point guard and then uh, Julian Reese, their yeah, center. Right. So mm-hmm. this is a team with active guys who are looking to draw fouls. So that's the deal there. Defensively, it's a good team. They're outstanding against twos. They've got some shot-blocking presence, but really they're just they're just tough against twos. They're going to force you to take shots you don't want to take. And though they've been not great on a percentage basis against the three, they've been elite at holding down attempts. So they're not letting opponents get a lot of threes off, which means those opponents are shooting twos. Mm-hmm. And Maryland's been pretty damn good at stopping the twos. They're, they're a mediocre defensive rebounding team. Um, the, the, and you mentioned the turnovers. They're pretty good in generating those. I think the, the thing to think about, Kevin Willard is a guy from the Rick Patino. Not Richard Patino, the Rick Patino, <laughs> the Coach good Patino tree, <laughs> right? And he's doing some things this year that are reminiscent to me of some of the things that Rick Patino did at times at Louisville. So sometimes Maryland will throw a three-quarter press at you. They won't do yeah. it consistently, but they'll throw it at you sometimes. They'll zone you sometimes. They will also, and this is something that's very difficult to do. Very few teams even bother trying it. But Rick Pitino did a year or two at Louisville to some good level of success. They will sometimes start a possession in zone, like a matchup zone, and then switch to man halfway through the possession. That can be tough to adjust to. It's also very, very difficult to execute well. But they've done... You look at their defensive numbers and they're doing a pretty good job. So Maryland is challenging to face because they're going to throw a lot of different offensive looks at you. So Michigan State's guards, AJ especially, but everybody, really need to be locked into that. The, The idea is you need to recognize what you're dealing with early in the clock. You can't waste time deciphering what you're going against and then figure out how to attack it because if you do that too often, you're going to end up with a lot of late clock rushed shots from bad spots on the floor and frankly that's what Maryland's trying to do one of the things they're trying to do I feel like Minnesota in the game they threw
0: the zone a couple times at Michigan State but they never threw it out there when AJ or Malik were there because I think you know we when we've watched Michigan State attack the zone in the in the the earlier the season those two are really lethal I mean you have Malik at the free throw line or AJ, they just can go to town and really just uh, pick it apart. But I think they did it like when Booker was out there, and then it worked for Booker because he found Cooper. Uh, but then later they they ran the zone a couple times when either of those guys were out there. And I think they, Michigan State struggled uh, just to get anyone – because I think they're trying to get like Carr in the free the, of the line. And just the, they're the
1: wrong people who once at least weren't as skilled or ready for it. Although, I will point out, the bucket that Cohen scored was against the zone. He was operating in the middle. They got him the ball and he went off the dribble and finished at the rim. You're right. So, yeah. even there, it wasn't generally speaking. Michigan State's been very good against the zone. I'm not particularly worried about Maryland's zone stifling them. First of all, they don't play it all the time. Yeah. But I'm not really worried about that because Michigan State attacks zones pretty well. We've seen that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of a concern that they're shifting around what they're doing and so they're not doing anything consistently and that's going to put a premium on your guards quickly recognizing what they're facing and attacking it appropriately right right that's where the issue is you know basically what maryland is doing their their opponents are taking a lot of time the average length of possession of their opponents is is uh long they're using <laughs> up a lot of the clock and what that means is your opponents likely aren't scoring at a great clip because they're forced into a lot of late clock situations. And therefore they're probably not getting an optimal look. And that I think is in part a result of some opponents having issues quickly diagnosing what they're going up against. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do that. I am personally I mean for what it's worth I'm not coaching anybody but <laughs> my my personal belief in this stuff is I I think that's a mistake for most teams to make is to to try to be varied in what you do that is that is not easy mm-hmm. and that's that's the main reason why is I think you've only got so much practice time as a college basketball program right. and so you can only allot so much time to any one thing that's why you know, in certain years, we've in recent years, we've seen Michigan State not be very effective with inbound plays, right? Whereas in mm-hmm. earlier periods in Izzo's tenure, they were lethal with it. Well, this year, they're back to being very good in those. I would bet you that they're devoting more time to it in practice. But that means you're sacrificing something else right. in order to do that. And, and so to play a variety of defensive approaches, that's hard it's hard enough to get one approach down solidly for a team, you know? So to do what Maryland's doing, very difficult thus far. They've pulled it off. And I think it's mostly a veteran team. That's That certainly helps. But um, I think that's what's working for them. One of the things that's working for them is they're just forcing opponents to bleed a lot of clock. And so Michigan State's got to avoid that. We talk about how important it is that Michigan State play with pace, right? Even at the half yep. court. Yep. Well, this is part of that. If you're wasting 8 10 seconds trying to figure out what you're what you're going up against, it's going to be tough to play with pace. I would the one thing I'd say about Michigan State this year and
0: I you know, I've watched every game, I do not recall too many instances where they have a shot clock run out on them. Maybe Rarely, I don't, think, I don't even think five times this this whole season, which is uh, I'm, pretty. I'm with you. It's it's, it's been yeah. rare. So that's, I mean, in that sense, they're probably doing a pretty good job as far as that clock management, at least in the half court.
1: They they are, but I'm not sure they faced anybody yet who does what Maryland does. It's a unique kind of challenge. I, I'm not saying I think Maryland's the best defensive team they've seen. Right. I yeah. don't yeah, yeah. think that's true. They're good. They're up there, but I don't think they're the best. Yeah. But. This is a unique challenge. And the other thing I would add is what has happened occasionally, and I can point to a lot more than five examples of it, is Michigan State doesn't get a shot clock violation, but they end up taking a very bad shot because yeah. they let the mm-hmm. clock get deep. right? And mm-hmm. that's that's the bigger deal, as I see it against Maryland, is we end up in situations where Jade Akins has to take a, a 16-foot, fall away jumper yeah because they couldn't get a better look and the clock's running you know that's what you need to avoid you need to get you need to play the game on your terms at your pace and that to do that is going to require Michigan State being very efficient in how they're attacking that defense and that in turn means recognition
0: yeah and I think the other point to that too is that when you're taking those shots there's some I think you can get some really bad rebounds and then you can get a breakout going the other direction, too. So it's like a double whammy. Not only do you get a bad yep. shot, but I think yeah, you, can, sure. you get a break going the other direction. Uh, all right. So let's talk about the the players on Maryland. Uh, this is brought to you by the Brothers You Gutters as they sponsor the player that Michigan State needs to keep in the gutter. The, as you know, list, regular listeners of the show, not only do we have a lot of people write me saying that they thought the Brothers Two Gutters do a fantastic job, but... They're the only ones out there that I'm aware of that are replacing gutters and fixing them up in, uh, in this sort of weather. Uh, it is surprising to me that even if we had, what, almost a foot of snow, over a foot of snow out in the west side of the state, and they are still out there working. I don't, I'm not exactly sure, how, it's not a job I'd want, but they do a fantastic job. Uh, they have even heated gutters now if you want, uh, but if you have leaky problems around your gutters, it, as you know, in Michigan, if you have water problems and it's by your house, it causes all kinds of problems inside your house. And that's something you want to avoid. So contact the brothers of Just Your Gutters. You get 10% off if you mention Final Four when you get your estimate. And just like I said before, go to our support page. And there you can find a link to find an estimate. If you're on the west side of the state, you can talk to Kurt and his team. Or on the east side of the state, you can talk to Greg and his team to help set you up. And again, that's for residential and commercial, whatever you need done. All right. So being with the starters, we'll start with Jameer Young, who's one of the players you mentioned returning back from to um, this season. A six-win senior point guard, 20.8 points a game on 44, 33, and 90. Uh, Almost seven free-throw attempts a game, top assist guy over four a game, but does turn the ball over quite a bit, so almost uh, three turnovers a game. He does generate a bunch of steals, like 1.7 steals a game, and pulls down 4.2 rebounds a game, so active all over the court. Yeah,
1: and he's the guy they got to keep in the gutter. Yeah, pretty clear. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He is he's a slightly improved jump shooter this year. Can't remember off the top of my head where he was last season, but I think was he at thirty-four percent right now from three. I think he was a I think he was closer to like thirty percent last year. But the deal with Jameer Young is this he is the catalyst for what they do. So he is very aggressive. I wouldn't quite put him in the mellow Trimble, uh Anthony Cohen category in that regard, but he's close um draws a ton of fouls, gets to the line a bunch and he's a good free throw shooter uh so he converts when he gets there um decent enough shooter that you got to worry about him on a team that doesn't have many of those so those are the issues in dealing with him and then defensively he you know he's their leading steel guy so he's a guy who's going to look to create some havoc uh in terms of generating turnovers via the steal. So, a a guy—you just—the—the bottom line is simple. You've got to—you've got to try to find a way to at least contain him. One one positive from Michigan State perspective is, as you mentioned, he's a high turnover guy. Yeah. So he's not even close to a two to one ratio. He's well below that. It's like might not even—it's not even one point five to one. It's closer. It's closer to one to one. So he may, he does a lot in terms of generating offense for others, better than 4 assists per game, but he also kicks it around. So if you're Michigan State, I think that's a big that's a big thing coming into this one is Maryland is mistake prone and it it starts at the uh head of the stake, so to speak. It starts with their point guard. And if you can if you can force him, you know, what I think of immediately is something that this Michigan State team has been very, very good in, in getting done this year. And that is when a guard or anybody really, because they were doing it, they did it to Dawson Garcia uh, the other night. So it's not even just guards, but anybody looking to go off the dribble. Michigan State has been very good with help guys being able to reach in and knock the ball loose. And right. that could be an equation for some success against Jameer Yump because he is going to look to get to the rim. That's a guarantee. And, you know, if, say, Tyson's guarding him and A.J.'s in help position, as he was in a play against Dawson Garcia, I think it was last night, where A.J. just kind of reached over, knocked the ball loose, turnover. Yep. Those opportunities probably are going to be there. Can Michigan State do it without fouling? That's an open question. But they need to. Yeah, and I, and in the, against a team that can't
0: shoot, outside of uh, I guess it would be Dante Sky, we'll talk to you about it in just a moment. Uh, you probably
1: can cheat a little bit more, and probably work a yes. little bit harder to prevent yes. that drill drive Absolutely. than you other teams, without question. Because that's a really good point. Because there are other guards, there are other guys in the perimeter. It's not like, it's not like they've got a lot of shooters that are going to be, you know. Yawden is one of their best shooters. So if he's going off the dribble, you're right. Your concern about the driving kick is maybe not where it is with a lot of other opponents.
0: We'll talk about one of those guys, Deshaun Harris-Smith, six foot five freshman. Uh, struggled a little bit this year. He's averaging 7.2 points a game on 34, 17, and 59 shooting. And it averages almost five rebounds a game.
1: Yeah, there, there you go. Case <laughs> in point. Now, this kid was very highly regarded. I mentioned earlier, Maryland, one of the reasons people were bullish on them to some extent is that not only did they return a bunch of guys who had done some stuff there, but they were bringing in a recruiting class that people really liked. It was maybe just a a tick behind Michigan State and Ohio State in the conference. What is being discovered, I think, if you look around the league at freshmen, is you may remember, because I know we've touched on it here, that one of the issues with this freshman class, not Michigan State's particularly, just everybody, is that as a group nationally, this was considered one of the weaker classes in many, many years. So what that means is if you're getting a guy who's, say, 30th, that had normally, year to year, that typically has a A sort of meaning to it okay a guy who's ranked 30th is someone who you figure probably in most programs is going to be good enough to if not start play a very big role in the rotation and be reasonably productive as a freshman not necessarily an all-conference guy but a very good player i think of i think of someone like charlie bell That way, when he was a freshman, is an example of that. Mm -hmm. Charlie wasn't all-conference as a freshman, but he was good. He was a starter and a very solid player, you know? This year, that's not true. And Maryland Maryland is in the position that they were going to have to rely on at least one of their freshmen to start, and this is the guy. And you see the production. Yeah. Now, he's doing, you know, the rebounding solid. He's given them a little bit of scoring seven points is not nothing but the perimeter shooting's been just off the charts bad yeah and it's it's coming through if you look at every one of these groups Michigan State we happen to know about it the one guy who I think was showing consistent game to game production is no longer able to play okay <laughs> right. and yeah. so everybody else is well one of them's red shirting and the other two, are to varying degrees up and down in terms of what they're able to contribute. You look at Ohio State's group, very highly regarded as well. Most freshmen aren't really doing a whole hell of a lot if you look at the production. That team's being carried by veterans. The freshmen aren't aren't doing much of the heavy lifting. And then we turn to Maryland, and it's the same deal. So it's consistent with, I think, what the view was of this class nationally coming in. And it's part of the problem is, If you were in a situation where you were actually going to need to rely on your freshman to be big parts of what you're doing, like starting like 20, you know, mid to high 20s minutes, you were probably going to be asking too much of that player. (laughs) And I think Maryland's found that out. Doesn't mean he can't be, doesn't mean he can't hurt Michigan State in this game. Doesn't mean he's not going to be a much better player in time. I think that's true for a lot of these guys. We certainly believe it about the kids of Michigan State. And I think it's true of Maryland's guys, Ohio State's guys, et cetera. I'm just saying right now, this freshman class nationally is kind of proving out to be what we thought they were, which is not great.
0: Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, this is probably one of the arguments people will put forward to taking transfers, right? Someone who is a little known production. Right? And versus a guy when, you know, what are the odds of getting a bust for a transfer versus a bust as a freshman? probably a little bit lower because you've at least had it's just the moving up and stuff so i mean there's more variables obviously but
1: well uh, th- this is this is the thing um it also depends on how you how you operate your program so for tom Mizzo, it's not a big deal because michigan state is as he's declared and as he's proven is a developmental program so the idea there is look, we can we can roll with freshman inconsistencies, mistakes, and a learning curve because we're not going to be in a position very often where we're, you know, 2016-17 is the only year in the entirety of Tom Izzo's run that he basically had to hand the keys to freshmen. Right. And those were high-level guys. They were good enough that they were able to get the team to the tournament despite a rash of injuries, having to carry way heavier of a burden than anybody expected. And they were still able to do that. But we saw, even with the talent that group possessed, the inconsistencies that come yeah. with that, right? Um, but it's okay at Michigan State because assuming you can keep all these guys on campus, which we'll see, but you know I'm optimistic about, I can tell you, uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you this right now, I'm going to be expecting significant improvement from all those guys as sophomores. Yeah. You know, I think that'll happen. Um, The problem is if you're bringing in freshmen who themselves expect to be huge parts of things immediately and who you need to be huge parts. So if you look, if you ask Kevin Willard right now, might he say, boy, I really wish I would have added a guard who was capable of being a starter for us somebody on the wing who could shoot a little bit give us some offense and be able to play this kid in um more of a support role i think a candid answer would probably be yes but sometimes you're also in a spot where because of the the dynamic you feel pressure to play that kid right away because if you don't you might not get the next kid out of that aau program yeah. It's a well, tough thing. Gone. There are yeah. right. There aren't easy right or he leaves. Um it's a tough 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 path to navigate. No question about that. I'm just saying Maryland is is uh kind of taking taking the um the blow here for that phenomenon. Yeah. Because they, and they don't have, they probably, when I look at their roster, it's not like I think he's playing at the expense of a veteran who should be getting more minutes. I don't think it's that. I just think their team, the way it's built, he's the best option they've got right now. And that's, you know, a freshman who was highly regarded, but in a bad year nationally. And so it doesn't mean what it normally means to be getting a guy ranked where he was. Right. So if we can just continue on our... Poor shooting
0: streak will go to Jordan Geronimo, 6'6", our former Hoosier, who averages 6.6 points a game, 3.8 rebounds a game, and shooting 48, 17, and 71.
1: I saw him hit a three against Illinois. Oh, you saw so, it, I know huh? he, I know he can <laughs> make them. But, yeah, we. Uh, I think most of our listeners probably have a sense of what Geronimo is. Yeah, he was last year before at Indiana. Yeah, yeah no what, he's up, what he always was at Indiana. You know, the, the problem for him, I think, is evident in that shooting percentage though um he was a guy very good athlete kind of physically he reminded me of several guys they've had over the years so i think about guys and i'm not saying he's a player or ever had a chance to be a player on this level but i think of guys like uh og uh og ananobi or um uh what was the kid's name on their big 10 championship team victor oladipo, oladipo yeah mm-hmm. guys like that that were really kind of well put together physically, but also plus athletes. Just had kind of a physical explosiveness about them. That was what Geronimo struck me as early on at Indiana. But the key was always going to be, okay, can he develop enough in the way of ball skills to make himself, you know, um, a more well-rounded player, more well-rounded threat than just a guy who can go get you an offensive rebound and a putback every once in a while or a transition dunk. And the answer with him has been no, he hasn't been able to do that. Um, so
0: you sort of feel like Indiana probably wasn't that upset that he left in some respects, you know,
1: not a hard guy to replace. Um, probably, probably not because God knows they need guards and he isn't that. (laughs) They have plenty of non shooting
0: at India. Yeah, they don't need more one more. Yeah. Uh next to yeah. be Dante Scott, uh six seven, fifth year uh senior, averaging ten points, seven points a game, and four point nine rebounds a game, shooting 42, 39, and eighty. So he's the other long long distance threat. Or the main one, I guess.
1: You know, he's such an enigma to me. I from the start of his career, and I it's God, it's been five years. It's hard to imagine hard for me to believe that. Dante Scott came in when Maryland had a lot of talent. I yes, believe really good. Yeah. Let I me mean, think was... about this. Was it the year? It, his freshman year must have been. Yeah, it was. It was Cassius's senior year, right? So yeah, eighteen. He was a freshman on a loaded team, had a lot of veterans, and he was not the guy who was. But there were guys in his in his freshman class who were ranked higher that expectations were higher for at the start of the year, but Dante Scott was the guy who broke through. And I really liked him, and I thought the COVID year, I thought he was, um, so was his sophomore year, I thought he was such a tough cover because yeah. he's six seven and burly, so he could do things down low, but he could hit the three, I believe. He was above 40% from three that year. And he was a guy they ran offense through. He could handle it a little bit. He could pass. He could go, you could face you up and do things off the dribble or with the jumper. Very difficult guy to deal with. And I just thought this, this is, this is a star. And then he had an awful junior year last year was kind of a bounce back. He was pretty good. And this year he's pretty good. I mean, the shooting numbers are much better than they were. So he's a threat. As you alluded to, he's maybe the guy who's a threat (laughs) from three. Um, and he still got that combination. He's in. He's a little less burly than he used to be because he got himself in better shape. And I still like him. I'm just when I look at the numbers, you know, ten points a game. You know, you know what it is. And I, I, I hate to say this, but I would assume that Maryland fans look at him in at least a general, some general respects similarly to maybe the way Michigan State fans look at Malik Hall. I was gonna say I bet that's same I mean, yeah they you have to you see the potential and yet you look at the production and you're like well it's not bad it's good but it's not great and sometimes he looks like he could be great um so he's an interesting guy to me but I've I've always been a fan of the the versatility they also by the way run a lot less through him. Now, part of that was because during the year or two where he was doing a lot of playmaking, it was or immediately after Anthony Cohen left, and that was during that Eric Ayala period, Uh huh. they didn't really have great point guard play. So I think they kind of had to do that with him. He was the best of the options they had available. Now they've got, you know, they had Jameer Young last year and this year. That's a you know, despite the turnovers he makes, that's a that's an actual lead guard. Yeah, you've right, got for sure. so you run less through him. But Dante Scott was really impressive in that area of the game to me early on in his career. Yep, I agree. He seemed like he was going to be he could be more than and he's not
0: really he developed more than I think what he saw initially. Uh, so finally, we'll go to Julian Reese, six ten junior, averaging thirteen point six points a game, almost ten rebounds a game. With a little over two blocks a game, shooting fifty-one percent from the floor, and fifty-one percent from the line, he averages seven and a half free throws a game. Uh, so again, he's he's the other one who's really getting in, uh, mixing it up and getting on the
1: line a lot for Maryland. Now, as opposed to Dante Scott, Julian Reese is continuing to make good on the promise that he showed. I was really impressed with him as a true freshman. Where he was he was raw but you could see the talent. And my feeling at the time was, okay, this. if you think about Maryland had this run toward the latter end of um, of Turgeon's run mm-hmm. where they had some really good bigs. They had yep. uh, Bruno Fernando, and then they had Stick Smith. And those guys were really, really good. And I looked at Julian Reese when he was a freshman, and I, and he was not a highly he might have been top 100 but it was lower echelon of the top 100 he might not have even been top 100 he was he was not a, a premium recruit but i saw him play as a freshman i thought this is the next great maryland big man if he stays on track and you know, as a freshman he was up and down in terms of the level that he played at but um he was he showed promise last year he became a really solid player and now you see him right on the verge of being a double-double guy. And he's blocking more than two shots per game. Yeah. And he gets fouled a ton. So it's happening. He is a load inside. He's big. He's gotten a lot stronger. And he's still very athletic and very active. It's a tough combination to deal with. Michigan State's going to have their hands full. That said, there I, I thought... You know, what made guys like Fernando and Stick Smith really, really special and hard to deal with is those guys over their time in Mar- at Maryland developed a face-up game. Yep. S- Smith always kind of had it. He came in with that reputation. Took him about a year to really find his sea legs, but that was not surprising. Bruno Fernando really worked at it. Early in his career, he was like... He was like Reese's or he was strictly an around the basket guy. Um, but if you remember his, I think, I think he left with a year of eligibility. So I think his last year was his junior year. If I remember right. Um, he was pretty, I, he wasn't hitting threes. I don't think, but I remember him being very tough as a face-up guy. Like he was capable of hitting one from the free throw line. You know, you had to deal with him out there. That development has not happened yet for Reese. So he's going to have one more go around to try to add that but it's not there currently the other problem is you mentioned the free throw shooting he gets there a ton seven and a half free throw attempts per game is a lot but when you're only basically splitting the difference you know if he was just shooting if he was a good shooter that might be a difference of a couple free throw or a free throw and a half per game that's a pretty big deal in the big 10 where you expect most games are going to come down to the wire you know guys getting there a lot and isn't shooting better than that, that's a problem. But overall, look, he is mostly developed exactly along the lines of the way I thought he would. And he gives Maryland some great, great interior presence. Both ends, no doubt about that. And this might be the kind of game where you're like, you might see a little bit more
0: cooler if maybe not by design, but almost if you have foul trouble with Cooper Sissoko. Sure. And so we may see more just out of necessity. You make you make a good point.
1: This is one where you're happy to have. i are happy to have Jackson back in general, but you're really happy to have him back here because you're right. This might be one. You're like, uh, I like having 15 fouls to give at that spot, and not have to not have to throw Xavier Booker out there against him, or not have to go small ball and have Malik Hall try to come. You know, you have another option. You have that third option at that spot, and it could be, it could prove to be valuable. You're right. Let's move on to the reserves then. Uh, we'll start with
0: Jahari Long, 6'5 senior, came from with Willard uh, last season, averaging 4.7 points a game on 42, 26, and 67 shooting. Yeah, he
1: came over from Seton Hall, was in the rotation last year. He's playing a bigger role this year. They're not a deep team. Um, He's one of the few guys who plays a lot and you see that the shooting is not great no um let's you know go up and down the lineup you're gonna see that but <laughs> uh he's a veteran he's a fifth year guy and he can guard and so that that gives him a role. next we have six
0: seven freshman Jamie Kaiser he's averaging four points a game in 19
1: minutes on 24 24 and 80 shooting. Uh, highly regarded school, uh, highly regarded player uh, out of the high school recruiting, out of their high school recruiting class last year. Yeah. True freshman, top 50-ish kind of recruit. And he's got potential. I mean, when you see him play, when I've seen him on the court, I'm like, yeah, I get why he was ranked where he, you can see it. But the production is very limited. He's struggling mightily, shooting the ball. And so that's kind of capped what he gives them offensively. It's interesting on the season he's playing, I think it's like 19 minutes a game in their last game, the loss to Northwestern. He only played nine. Yeah. Is that a one game thing? Or is that, is that evidence of, um, of Kevin Willard, maybe shortening that bench and not giving as many turns to a guy like Kaiser. I don't know, but, um, this is a shallow batch so he's going to play. He'll be one of the guys who gets in the game. It's just a question of how big the role is. Yeah, I mean, cause now now we're moving further in the bench. Noah Batchelor, uh,
0: two points a game, six-foot-seven sophomore, uh, plays only eight minutes a game, shooting 35, 33, and 100.
1: I mean, 33 is not bad
0: for this team, but no, it's but low volume. No, but he's two points
1: a game. He can't be shooting more than right. like four it's, in the g- season. <laughs> it's low volume. Yes, very low volume. He was a guy they added he was a late addition of the recruiting class I think it might have flipped him somewhere when Willard got the job but he's a Maryland kid and he played a little bit last year playing a little bit this year not a major role but you know he's somebody they hope to develop over time and for now he's giving them spot minutes
0: and finally uh, Kalem Swanson Roger 2.1 points a game 1.7 rebounds a game in 7 minutes 6 foot 11 Canadian freshman uh, it's also third in the team with blocks, uh, but only just has nine.
1: Yeah, big, big kid. Uh, they'd like to add some more strength, but, um, you know, that height you can't teach. And he's, it's not like he's, you know, Marcus Bainum as a freshman. <laughs> he's, I, I would think he's a guy that they're looking at as having a real chance to be a big part of what they do down the line. But it was always true that this year, it was going to be like this, where all right, he doesn't. I think he's played. I think he's played in all but one or two of their games, but uh, but he doesn't play a lot of minutes, and so he's there just to provide a little bit of relief if Reese is out of is out of the game for some reason. Uh, but he's the only other legitimate five man that's in the rotation, um, so it'll be interesting to see how he develops. Um he's uh you mentioned he's third on the team in blocks, so he's showing some potential to uh to maybe be a presence there for them in that regard. And then we'll see how the rest of his game develops. But I wouldn't expect to see him play a ton, unless, yeah. you're barring foul trouble. Right, exactly. Yeah, because you want reset there as much as possible.
0: All right, so let's go to our squeegee squad. Who cleans the glass the best for Michigan State? Uh brought to you by the Squeegee Squad of Grand Rapids. As you probably know, they are the ones who will clean your, clean your windows, but they also do other things. They can power wash your house. They can clean windows in commercial buildings, also high-rises. Whatever you need done in the west side of the state, the Grand Rapids area, uh, Troy and his team will take care of you. Uh, you get 15% off if you mentioned Rebound for your free estimate. You can find information for that underneath in the, at the support page or underneath in the podcast player uh, that you're looking at right now. Uh, again, the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids, uh, they'll even come out in generally any weather unless it's like where it's their bucket's just full of ice. Then they'll have to wait a little bit. But they'll come and do everything. They'll do the interiors, windows, the screens, the windowsills, whatever you need done. They'll do give you estimates for all that so you just decide what you want. It's very nice a la carte service so you can't go wrong with the squeegee squad. All right, so right now you're on a bit of a run. You've had two in a row. It's three to two. Uh, I, don't, I think I get to pick first this time for who we think Michigan State will have uh, the most rebounds. I think... Mati Sissoko, I think we'll go with. I think he's due in a game like this. I think we'll go with Madi,
1: who will do the best cleaning the glass. Who are you going with, Rod? Malik Hall.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm going to
1: ask him to carry me home again to a second,
0: uh, to That's another right. win. Yeah, I mean he's he was on a tear last game and it wasn't even close. So. Yeah, we'll see. I I wonder if he's going to be pulled out a little a little bit more with Dante Scott. I, does Scott play outside the arc a lot, or because he can shoot, or is is that sort of he probably yeah like I mean, pick and that, pop sort of
1: thing off of off screens is why he's out there. That's always you know that's always been the way he's played. He's definitely he's definitely a guy who could stretch the floor a little. Um, it's not consistently that way, but yeah, you could you could see that, and that might impact. It might impact Malik's ability to hit the boards, but honestly, um, you know, if Madi's if Madi's off the board, I, that's the that's the number two choice. You know, you the only other way you can really go at it, unless a freaky thing like you know, Jade Naken's having one of those games. Yeah, uh, unless that were to happen, the only other thing you got to you got to hope for if you're going to pick somebody else as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Carson Cooper just has a bigger rebounding game in his minutes than Mahdi has, and if I'm faced with that choice right now, I'm gonna take Malik. Yeah,
0: well, and certainly, I think the one thing that maybe may come into play that we can't even account for is foul issues for Michigan State. You might see someone get absolutely a quick second I foul and then it too
1: You're totally right. changes I your could... opportunities. Moddy Madi gets two fouls in the first five minutes. Carson Cooper is gonna get a lot more opportunities. Yep, Jackson absolutely. Kohler too. Sure, so. yeah.
0: All right, well, let's move on to Five Keys of the Game brought to you by Nudge Printing. Hey, everybody, it's Eric alongside Gabe Escomi, owner of the fantastic sponsor of the Final Four is not on the schedule, Nudge Printing. We're here to take a peek behind the curtain of Nudge Printing. So, Gabe, your logo is a flying corgi, uh, corgi, I guess I'm it. <laughs> <laughs> what is the significance of that, that logo?
1: Uh, you know, we start off as like a flying pig, and <clears throat> originally it was like, well, okay, we're starting a new business, like when pigs fly type of thing, like we'll see if we can make this work. Um, But we just recently changed it to like a flying corgi and we just wanted to be kind of fun, like memorable, you know, like um, you don't really, I mean, you see a lot of like flying pigs around and I've never seen like a flying (laughs) corgi before. So I was like-
0: I think that's fair to say.
1: (laughs) Yeah, So it was like, you know, this is cool. Like, let's do something. Fine, like spice it up a little bit, and uh, yeah, we just changed it.
0: That's sort of like, uh, just kind of explains Nudge Printing, right? It's a little fun company.
1: Yeah, that's what we want it to be. We want it to be a fun time.
0: Okay, and again, just a reminder, Nudge Printing will be having, uh, will be announced the new uh, trivia question at the, at the conclusion of the Maryland game, so the opportunity to win a hoodie. So we're actually a really big prize this time. So make sure you listen in. I know everyone's going to be watching the Lions game and not listening to our... <laughs> post-game Maryland show right away but it'll be there for a couple days uh we'll also mention the trivia question will be open for about a week or so so you have opportunities to get in the get into the the entry entry in for the nudge printing hoodie all right so first key to the game is ball movement uh we've seen this a couple times now for Michigan State so as you mentioned we've alluded to a number of times already Maryland good defensive half-court team Uh, Michigan State has to move the ball to in order to get good looks and so they have to not get those last-second hand grenade shots at the end of the shot clock.
1: It's look bottom line, and and truthfully, it's movement general because it also means that guys are aggressively getting into getting into the sets they want to run. Um, you know, setting good picks, timing picks properly. You know, all all of that stuff. In a nutshell. You just you need to be playing with pace and with purpose offensively. That's how I'd put it. Yeah, because um, otherwise it's going to be tough to generate the number, the quantity of good looks that you need to in order to win this game. So that's and as we talked about earlier, some of that's going to come down to Michigan State recognition. Are they in the zone or are they in man? If they're in the zone. What kind of zone are they in? Get, get your guys' point guard's job. Get your guys uh, get your guys set up correctly. And get into it. And don't waste 10 seconds trying to figure it out. The next key to the game is defend without fouling. So the
0: Terps, as we mentioned before, average a lot of free throw attempts. And Jimmy Young and Reese each average over seven. So, and you know, Michigan State's bench is not super deep, super deep. And so you obviously want to avoid foul for that reason, too.
1: Yeah, and just uh, it... You know, Michigan State has a rhythm that they like to establish in terms of playing groups, the number of minutes of when guys come in, when they go out, all of that stuff. And so anything that happens that disrupts that, you know, disrupts it and makes it harder for MSU to play with the rhythm they ideally want to. You know, that stuff isn't – those substitution patterns and – playing time that's allocations are not happenstance they're for they're for reasons and foul trouble is one of those things that can throw a monkey wrench into that so apart from the fact uh, that you don't want to have that disruption like the other thing is let's be very honest Maryland is an offensive team sucks yeah (laughs) don't give easy ways of scoring i Yeah, they can't, they don't shoot well. So when you look at that and you say, okay, what's our, what's our objective here? You know, the objective seems pretty clear to me. It's make Maryland score against you in the half court five on five. Do not give them free throws and limit what they, we'll talk about in a minute, the other one, but limit what they do on the offensive glass. If you are doing those things, you're going to have a great chance to win the game. Yeah. But you don't want to bail them out. You don't want to put Jameer Young on the free throw line for 12 free throws. You know That's, that's making it easier than it needs to be for them. And that leads right into the next key to the game <clears throat> is avoid
0: giveaways. And so you don't want to give them you know, fast break points for a team that really yeah. struggles
1: in the half court. Well, and so there's two things here. One, there are Pretty aggressive defensive team. I mean, they're not all out garbage trapping stuff, but they'll throw some of that at you. And then even in the half court, they're aggressive. And also, as we talked about earlier, they rely on changing their defensive approach, possession to possession, to throw you off kilter. And that can also lead to opportunities where you might make a mistake and they get an easier chance to score. Maryland is not a transition-based team at all, but if you're going to give them those chances via live ball turnovers, well, again, you're making it easier on them than you need to. <laughs> yeah. So Michigan State, once again, the guards need to recognize what they're seeing and adjust quickly, quickly and efficiently. Don't rush it because then you can also make a mistake, but get get it recognized and get into your sets. So the fourth key to the game is defensive
0: rebounding. This is something Michigan yeah. is occasionally good at <laughs> it's and, and just at random times, and so hopefully this is one of those games where they actually are able to emphasize it and and do well since Maryland needs it so badly for because they're so bad offensively they need extra chances
1: well, you know the the thing here is on the one hand, this is not a team like Minnesota was where they're throwing out you know two six eleven guys at you, yeah. Um, it's one legit center guy and then six, seven and below. But the thing you got to remember is Dante Scott's capable rebounder. Um, their wings get after it. I mean, especially Geronimo is, you know, an athlete, um, and his numbers aren't that great, but physically he's a guy who's capable of doing some things there. Jameer Young's really good for a point guard. He's a plus four rebound a game guy so you know he's tracking down a lot of a lot of missed yeah. shots so um michigan state as we we say almost every week this is a big part of it but it's an even bigger part of it in a game like this because if maryland has their offensive rebounding limited i think it becomes difficult for them to score enough points to win if in conjunction with that, you're not fouling excessively and you keep the free-throw attempts to a reasonable number, say, you know, mid to high teens, if you're able to do that somehow, and they don't offensive rebound, it's going to be almost impossible for them to score enough points to beat you. So it's critical for Michigan State to do that. It's, it's a way that they can absolutely go a long distance toward winning it if you limit what they do here. And the fifth key to the game is the transition game. Yeah, it. it there, there's two things here. One would be, as we just said, if you can rebound defensively, great. The second thing is, as we've talked about, Maryland is mistake-prone in their own right. They will generate turnovers, but they also commit a ton. If Michigan State can generate some turnovers... And they can rebound relatively cleanly and efficiently on the defensive end, they're gonna have opportunities to get out and run. And that's important because I think I think any time you can avoid going against five on five defense against this team, the better off you are. More yeah. than more than most opponents. You know, that that we say that almost every week, and it holds true for any game. It's true. You'd rather be in transition than not if you're playing MSU's style and you've got the personnel they do and all the rest. But a game like this, especially, man, if Michigan State could could repeat what they did against Minnesota in terms of transition play, that would be huge. I'm not yeah. sure they can, but that's that's the goal.
0: Well, I think that'll pretty much wrap it up. I guess the only other thing I'd add is that, you know, this is a, this is a reasonable opportunity for michigan state to get a, a road win yes uh and they've got to win some games mm-hmm. on the road if you want to do anything in the big 10 the regular season you obviously have to win probably a good four or five more games on the, on the road and this is
1: a good place to do it make that a sixth key because michigan state has not won a true road game yet yeah so you've got to break the seal on that you are right that this is an opportunity maryland has been playing better of late. You know, the Illinois game was just two games ago and right. the, to go on the road, get that one, that's it shows you that the potential is still there for this team to play well on any given day, but the reality is they have not been consistently good. You know, and they've got an offense that's stuck in the mud. They got a good defense, but they got an offense that's stuck in the mud, so at the very least they should not be running you out of the gym. You right. should be able to hang around and have opportunities to win a game like this. Um, you know, that, say, five, six years ago, I would have said this is a very difficult one to get. Not yeah. just because of the quality of their team, but because... Uh, the venue. That's a, yeah. Maryland is a basketball school. They care deeply about the sport. And historically, at Cole House for forever, and then even when they moved into this gym for a while, you know, it, those are tough crowds, full mm-hmm. houses, tough environment. It's the, the latter stages of the Turgeon era, and even when they've been a little better at times or shown some potential since Kevin Willard's taken over, it does not feel to me when I watch those games that they've quite recaptured what they've historically been. There's been some slippage in terms of the environment. Now, what will that look like tomorrow? I have no idea. I'm, I know the students got to be back in, in yeah. session, so you'll have student support. We'll we'll see. But I'm with you. I think this is this is one that you look at if you're Michigan State and say there's a real there's a real chance here to get this one. You get this one, you're back to 500 in the league. You continue, you know, mostly positive momentum. And in fact. You get a win here, and I think it makes the Illinois-Northwestern losses um, easier to just kind of write on. And and I wouldn't even include the Illinois loss in this category. Let's say the Northwestern loss. It gets easier to write that off as uh, an anomaly because now you're continuing to build the narrative at the other side of that joining with what those five games leading into the Northwestern game and you can say kind of like we talk about with Malik Hall right it's like yeah he had a clunker against Northwestern but look at the the three the five games on either side of that and it's giving you an accurate a more accurate picture of a guy who's playing really really well he just had one bad day I think with Michigan State you, you win at Maryland it gets easier for that narrative to take hold with you know msu's won seven of their last nine you get this one it's eight of the last ten. Yep. Eight of the last ten is you know indicative of some real honest momentum yeah. building and
0: just like before i mean you got a two-game road trip at a minimum you want to split it and if you look at the split this is going to be the easier of the two games mostly you know madison's gonna be much more challenging so you fear this is the one
1: on, on paper on paper yeah. yes
0: yeah all right so we'll leave it there uh just a couple couple quick reminders, uh, you know, again, check out our website at TFFINOTS.com. Not only for the support page, we can find links to our sponsors, doctor doctor, to Coach Garland's book. Uh, you can also find, go to the contest page. And so if that'll link you to the trivia question, which won't be up right now, but it'll be up soon to go to Nudge Printing. It also, I posted the Big Ten Standings Contest. So all the picks everyone has. Uh, and just, you know, you're talking about Maryland. You had Maryland as five. For some reason, I had Maryland as 12th. So I don't know. We'll see. Okay. <laughs> we'll see where, we'll see where they end up. They could, I think either one's possible at this point in the season. There's so many teams jumbled up right in the middle. It's hard to know who's better than the others. Um, so anyway, you can check that out. Uh, again, uh, go to the squeegee squad of Grand Rapids, Brothers of Just Gutters, and Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. All right. So until next time, go Lions, go Green.